Welcome to the All Saints Community Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. We are committed to being rooted in the scriptures and the historic Christian faith and to kingdom life in the power of the Holy Spirit. As you listen, may you be encouraged and empowered to know the Lord Jesus and make him known. For more information on who we are, visit allsaintsokc.org or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at ASCCOKC. So last week we had such a good time as well. We didn't make it through. That's okay, isn't it? So today we're on the second part of Hebrews 1, 5 to 14. And we are looking into this magnificent New Testament letter that was written for a church meeting in someone's home, probably about 25 or 30 people. This majestic letter was written and delivered to them, and they read it, and they poured over it, and then they began to copy it and disseminate it. And here we are almost 2,000 years later reading that. You ever thought about that? The preservation of the Word of God. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? More manuscripts of the Scriptures than anything that's ever been written in human history. The Lord said, I'm going to use these Jewish people, I'm going to use these Jewish early Christians to preserve the Word of God. And here we have it. What a gift it is, right? Think about that. Next time you open the Bible, the Lord has preserved His Word and delivered it to us. So last week, we began to unpack this fact that the Son is greater than the angels. And we saw in the first part, the opening, Hebrews 1, 1 to 4, that Jesus brings a greater word, a greater revelation. He is the greater revelation, and so he's greater than all the prophets. And now we're seeing in this passage that the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is greater than all the angels. And if you remember last week, we said, what's the big deal? What's the big deal with angels? And if you remember, the angels were the ones who were the mediators of the law. And so when God appeared in great fire and majesty and holiness, it was the angels who were part of delivering the law to the people of God. And so for a first century Jewish Christian, the angels were pretty exalted in God's purposes. And so the author of Hebrews is saying, as exalted as they are, Christ is the king of angels. They don't even come close. He's not just mediating the law. He is bringing the new covenant. He is the new covenant. It's pretty glorious, isn't it? We're going to read these verses again because every chapter is just layer upon layer of meaning. So I'm going to read Hebrews 1, 5 to 14, and then we're going to focus on 8 through 14. Sound good? Hebrews 1, 5 to 14. You can grab a pew Bible there, or many of you are bringing your own Bible. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you? Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. And this is me talking, not the scriptures. If you remember, these are just, this is seven verses from the Old Testament that the author of Hebrews is laying before them. So back to this. Of the angels, he says, 
in his word. He makes his angels winds and his servants flames of fire. Verse 8. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the righteous scepter is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And in the beginning, Lord, you founded the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like clothing. Verse 12, like a cloak you will roll them up, and like clothing they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will never end. But to which of the angels has God ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels, menace, angels spirits in the divine service sent to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. Friends, this is the Word of God. So we saw the first verses there, five through seven, we saw two things, and today we're gonna look at three more things, but verse five talks about Jesus being the unique son. And we talked about the angels being referred to as sons of God in the scriptures, places like Job one, but the author of Hebrews is saying, this is the son the unique, the one and only Son of God who shares in God's deity and divinity. Then we saw in verse 6, the angels worship him because he is one with the Father. He shares the substance of the Father. So he's a unique Son. The angels worship him. And then look at verse 8. This is where we're going to focus today. Christ, the Son of God, is the eternal king. This is dense stuff, isn't it? I mean, it's just one after another statements about who Jesus is. And friends, can I just say, we have to have our noses, our eyes in scripture. The church needs to walk through passages like this and be reminded of who Jesus is. We're not just pulling stuff out of the air and we're looking at who the Lord Jesus is. Amen? And it's rich, and it's dense, and it requires you to think and to have your mind engaged. And so that's what we're doing. We're meditating together as a church on the majesty and the glory and the exalted nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the eternal king. If you look here, verse 8, he's quoting the author who we don't know who it is, but nonetheless, this word comes to us with great power. And he's quoting from Psalm 104. He's talking about the angels. And he's mentioning that the angels oftentimes are in the winds or the fire, which are signs of God's presence. When you see in the Old Testament a theophany or an appearance of God, oftentimes there's winds and fire and there's an angelic presence there. And so the author of Hebrews is saying, Christ, the Son of God, is Lord over them. He is actually an appearance of God. And so what he's wanting to do here is contrast. Again, this is going to happen through the whole book. He's talking about the holy angels and their awesome nature, and then he's saying, but Christ is superior to them. He is greater than them. You see that. He says, but here. 
He's contrasting the sun with the angels, and he's pointing out that the sun, look at verse 8, the sun is being called God here by God. And he's saying, your throne, O God. So Christ is king, and Holy Scripture is pointing that out here. We're actually hearing, as we mentioned last week, a dialogue, a conversation between the eternal Father and the eternal Son. And the Father is saying to the Son, your throne is forever and ever, and you rule the kingdom with righteousness. The Father has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Friends, he's glorious. He's awesome. He's greater than the angels. He is king. And the scriptures make that clear. Look at verses 10 through 12. Not only is he the enthroned, exalted, eternal king, but he's unchanging. This is important because the author of Hebrews is saying it here in the first chapter, right? We're at the beginning of the letter, and he's going to say it at the end of the letter in chapter 13. He's going to come back to the unchanging nature and character of Christ. So yet again, he's quoting from another scripture. He looks at Psalm 102, and he's talking about creation, and he's let us know that Christ was there. He was part of He was an agent of creation with the Father as creation was spoken into existence. And what he's saying here is creation will come and go. Let me ask you, what's going to happen to this creation, the order as we see it now, church? What does Scripture teach us? What happens with it? It's destroyed. 2 Peter 3 talks about that. But then what happens? Is that the end of it? It's kind of annihilated, we're done. What happens? What do we see at the end of the book in Revelation? It's restored. In a sense, it's resurrected like Christ. It's made new. It's glorious. But the author of Hebrews is getting us to think here for a minute about creation will change. It is changing. It's aging. It's kind of like clothing that wears out. And one day, The time will come when the Lord says, it's time to change. It's time to transform. We don't know when that is. It's the mystery of his will. Only the Father knows. But what the text is showing us here is the Lord Jesus remains the same. Now, this could be kind of one of those heady theological things. We could say, okay, Christ is the same. You're saying it here, and then at the end of the letter, he's the same yesterday and forever. But let me ask you, as your world is changing and things are teetering and tottering and it's, it's very diff- things are crumbling all around you, could it be comforting to you to know that the king doesn't change, that he is seated there and he is reliable and his word always holds true? Is that comforting to you, church? That's why it's here. We're going to see as the letter unfolds, these folks are facing hard times, suffering. And so the author of Hebrews is holding up Jesus before them, the majestic king who's greater than the angels, who brought the supreme revelation. He's saying, you can count on him. You can rely on him. Unlike man and woman, human leaders, The king doesn't change. That's the point that he's making here. He is the same. His years never end. 
Let's look at the last thing the text says here. Verses 13 through 14. Christ holds an exalted position. We're already touching on that, but the author of Hebrews is meditating and recording it so that we can read it and all these things overlap. But church, he's saying that Christ holds the exalted position, just like we were singing this morning. Highest praise for the highest king. Look at verse 13. The text is saying, to which of any of the angels has God ever said this? And the answer is none. None of the angels have been told this. Only the Son. Only the promised Messiah. And friends, we've talked about, we've encountered this at 13 and 14 here, this verse. It's quoted two dozen times in the New Testament. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Do you think that's an important verse from Psalm 110? Should we pay attention to it? The early Christians said this is a promise about the Messiah, the Lord Jesus, the King. This is the Father saying to the Son, you share in lordship. I'm going to exalt you to the highest place. You're going to be seated and enthroned, and I'm going to make sure that all of your enemies are beneath your feet. Friends, that is a good word, isn't it? And it's spoken 24 times in the New Testament. It's spoken here in Hebrews 1, and it's important to note. Where else do you see? Where else do you see a picture of Christ, the eternal king seated on the throne? Where else do you see that in the New Testament? Kind of in teacher-professor mode here asking you some questions. Revelation. Yeah, Revelation 4 especially. So Christ, it is a big deal. Christ is the eternal king. He doesn't change, and he's seated at the Father's right hand. And this week, I was just pondering, what does this mean? All his enemies are under his feet. It means that all the craziness in the world today, the political madness, the division, the sexual confusion, and the militant agendas, the ideologies seeking to divide people and families and nations, it's under the Lord's feet. It's under his feet. He's not sweating it. He is king. He rules and reigns over all that craziness. Let me tell you something else. All the craziness attacking the church directly, the assaults on the Lord's people, false teaching, the winds of change that blow through the church, the very spirit of Antichrist that the Apostle John talks about in 1 John 4, evil spirits, that fueled Ahab and Jezebel and others, seeking to seduce the Lord's people with false doctrine and to manipulate and control under his feet. Can we say that together? Under his feet. And the book of Ephesians tells us if Christ is exalted to the right hand of the Father as the crucified, resurrected, ascended one, 
The author of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul, says, Church, do you know where you're seated? You tell me. Where are you seated? You are seated with Christ. If you belong to him, you are in Christ by the grace of God. It is also under your feet. This is the word of God for us today. He is the exalted king now, and he is coming back as the conquering king. And friends, he's setting up a theocracy in that day. What do I mean by that? He's not coming to garner votes. He's not going to say, how do the nations feel about me when I come back? He is coming back as the king of kings and lord of lords. And people will kneel before him that day. The prophets say that many will weep and mourn on that day because they took him for granted. They didn't believe who he was. So we're practicing now for that day. He's the king, church. If you're not living like he's the king, then you've got some business to do with him today. It's a good time to get on your face, to practice submitting to him, surrendering to him, letting him go to work in your heart through the Holy Spirit so that you're not caught off, caught off guard on that day. I don't want to be, do you? Do you want to stand before him and have him say, you don't know me. I don't know you. I certainly don't. Friends, the, the word of God is the gospel. It's the good news. And so we embrace it now as the good news. Why don't we stand? The book of Hebrews is going to speak to us in the coming weeks. Next Sunday, we're going to look at chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, and we're going to see the author shift from just this majestic picture of Jesus, and now he's going to look at the church and say, there's a greater salvation that's happened, and now there's greater accountability. And so I'm calling you to be faithful, and he's calling the church to not give up, but to keep on keeping on. So Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you. Thank you that your word speaks like no other word. We pray that we would leave today just gripped with the knowledge, the revelation that you are king. You're glorious, and you're full of grace, power, and love. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.